0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Yes Men. It is I, Lou. To my left, it is he, Doug. And we're here a little early this week because of the enormity of the last 36 to 48 hours in Yankee land. Uh, and we've got to start off, obviously, with the big news that the Yankees announced on Monday morning that CC Sabathia is done for 2013. The big lefty has a grade 2 hamstring strain in his left leg six to eight weeks and he will not pitch again in 2013 he was scheduled to make his final start this week of the regular season likely Wednesday as Joe Girardi kind of wavered he was asked yesterday the lone non-Andy Pettit or Mo question in his pregame conference was uh you know who's going to pitch Tuesday because of the off day Monday he said he hadn't set a rotation then he said probably hero meaning Hiroki Kuroda then he said yeah it's going to be hero so, kind of intimated Hughes would be skipped. CC would go on Wednesday, Nova Thursday. Andy Pettit on Friday in Houston for his sayonara. And then Saturday would be TBD, Hughes, Huff. Could it be Brett Marshall, Adam Warren, you, me? Who knows at this point? All that is now thrown out the window. Hiroki Kuroda will probably start Tuesday, and then Wednesday the scramble begins because CC Sabathia,
1: done for 2013. Really interesting season for CeCe. He looked... Different with the velocity in April and May. We all thought, where is his fastball? But his stats were the best in April and May. So his velocity started to creep up towards the end of the year. You know, you started to see him reach 95 in some games. But when he was throwing the slowest in April and May, that's when he was doing his best. And uh, his stats through those two months were, you know, 3-5 ERA around that range. He threw a few uh, complete games. He was striking 10 guys out in, in, in two games in, in three starts in May. And then suddenly we just started to see these long, high-earned run starts. It would be like seven innings pitched, five or six runs a stretch
0: of un-CC like CC yeah. performance. Yeah,
1: it's just been it's been a very odd season and he's one of about 6 Yankees who would probably tell you that it's been a nightmare of a season. Yes. Uh Derek Jeter, Mark Teixeira, Kevin Youkilis. Uh, guys like that just would probably tell you this Derek is Derek Jeter not,
0: has used those exact words. Yeah,
1: this is not a season that these guys want to remember and while the Yankees still aren't statistically, you know, out of it, it's going to be really difficult.
0: It is. It's you don't want to say it's over because it's not over and it ain't over till it's over. But the Yankees need to go 6 and 0 this week and they need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. And, and I have here, I have CC stats and I have the, the wild card standings on paper, old school, if you will. So the Rays play Baltimore on Monday night. And then, you know, every team has six games left after that. Actually, um, I believe Texas and Kansas City both play tonight as well. But Rays, Cleveland, they're going to be your wild card leaders when we wake up Tuesday morning in some iteration. The Indians have two games against the White Sox and four against the Twins. The four against the Twins are in Minnesota, but if they don't make the playoffs, this week will be where you say this is where Cleveland failed. Not anything in the first 156 games, because after 156 games, they are a wild card. This is where you'll say they lost it. Texas plays at home this week against Houston and the Angels. KC, three and a half out, three at Seattle, four at the White Sox. The Yankees have Tampa and Houston, and that's the hardest schedule of the bunch.
1: Right, because the Yankees have already kind of wasted that easy schedule, besides the the Houston series after the Rays. So the, they're the only team in this mix. The Rays and the Yankees are the only teams playing competitors.
0: They needed to go 6-0 and last week, and they went 2-4. and four.
1: I mean, Or 3-3, three and three, I'm sorry. They, they have to... <clears throat> win six games in a row, and for the last two weeks we've been saying they have to do this, they have to do that, they have to win these games. But the bottom line is, is they are so beat up that it, it just doesn't look like they have the ability to do that. It, it's not even about what they have to do. Can they do that? Can they do it? Are they physically able to do yeah. it? <laughs> like A-Rod, is, A-Rod
0: is swinging mm-hmm. with just his upper body. A-Rod was pinch run for in the uh, seventh inning by Zoilo Monte.
1: Yesterday. Yeah, he, he is – something who is has, seriously wrong with who him. Who
0: hadn't appeared in a game since he came back a couple weeks ago. But Joe Girardi pinch ran for him. Obviously, it's a – you know, he was a DH. It's a faster runner. But that tells you a lot that, A, A-Rod can't turn it on. B, in a big spot, Girardi doesn't trust him to turn it on. And make no mistake about it, that was a big spot. Right there at that point in that game, 2-1 in seventh inning, that was a uh, I'm sorry, it was 1-1 at that point. That was a big spot, and A-Rod came out of the game because he's just not 100% healthy. And Zoilo Monta ends up making a rookie mistake, and he gets thrown out at the plate, and then Cano gets thrown out at the plate, and chaos ensues. That just tells you where Arod stands right now, is that not only can he either not turn it on, Joe doesn't trust him or want him to have to turn it on in a situation where the Yankees absolutely direly need that run to
1: score. And it's not even anybody's fault, necessarily. It's just that this Yankee team really isn't even like the one that was playing really well a few weeks ago. Because if you think about it, you got Soriano with a sprained thumb. You have Arod with the multiple lower body injuries. He's coming off hip surgery and he's got a bad hamstring mm-hmm. and a calf. Brendan Ryan is your shortstop. You're starting everyday shortstop. He's only been on the team for a few weeks. And
0: Eduardo Nunez is playing third base because of
1: the A-Rod injury, which right. is a defensive downgrade. It's not the team that. Got us here, and Brett Gardner. Don't forget yeah, Brett Gardner with the oblique strain. And it, it just doesn't seem to have that character. They don't seem. They seem to just be playing day to day. They are so beat up. So I, I hope that they make this interesting, and I think by by sweeping the Rays, that would inevitably happen. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that sweeping the Rays means that they'll be in, but if the Yankees somehow sweep the Rays which are – they're a better team in all aspects. They're ahead of them in the standing. That's just – that it's as black and white as that. But if the Yankees feed off the crowd at home, win three games in a row, they make up that ground on the Rays, then they have the opportunity to sweep Houston at Houston and potentially by then – they might, be, they might be in position for, like, a tiebreaker. A tiebreaker for right. the tiebreaker. Tiebreaker almost. for the tiebreaker. Yeah.
0: It, it almost feels now, I mean, again, you don't want to say it's over, and no one will say it's over until, I think it was David Robertson who said, until we're six back with five to go, we're in it. They're the spoiler now. I mean, Baltimore plays Tampa tonight, so they can, you know, if, even if Tampa loses, they're 86-70. and 70, They're a game and a half up on Texas pending
1: whatever happens in the Texas game. And Tampa finally has their confidence back, they have their swagger right. back. They're going up. The Orioles and the Yankees in the going standings out. are going down.
0: So the Yankees, again, they're going to wake up four games out, no matter how you slice it. even if they Again, even if they win those three games at the Rays, Cleveland's playing the White Sox, Texas is playing Houston, Kansas City's at Seattle. Those teams packed it in long ago. You, you don't say any game means nothing, but the White Sox are playing out the string, Houston's playing out the string, Seattle's playing out the string. It's September. I don't think Bo Porter, Robin Ventura are going to be managing like it's Game 7 of the World Series.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I You never c- can predict what happens. I think a lot of teams have been rooting against the Yankees in series that they should win and the Yankees have lost. Maybe that will happen to other teams. you know. And when you're playing away from home, anything can happen because these are major league ball clubs. And uh, the White Sox, the Mariners, uh, the Mariners have some talent, probably a little bit more than the White Sox. We'll see. I mean, honestly, it, it's a long shot. We know that now. And a few weeks ago, we would have said, well, they have as decent of a chance as anybody else. It's a long shot now. Right.
0: And, you know, the thing that we we sort of alluded to last week a little bit is that the Yankees actually had their rotation well set. By skipping Phil Hughes, you know, using today as his spot and skipping that spot in the rotation, you could have had Corotta, Sabathia, and Nova start against Tampa. Friday night would be Andy Pettit in and Houston. By then, you're going to know you're in, you're out. Do we have a chance? What do we have to do over the last 48 hours? Somebody would have had to start on Saturday, whether it's Hughes, Huff, again, Marshall, Warren, David Phelps is in the bullpen. I mean, could he give you three innings if needed? That was going to be where, like, that would come into play. And then Sunday, you'd have Kuroda lined up again for CeCe for the one-game wildcard playoff if you needed it, for Nova for game one of the LDS. Now, okay, Even if they split up the Hughes-Huff kind of tag team, and one of them starts Wednesday, and probably Huff, because Hughes at Yankee Stadium is not going to go over well. I think Girardi knows that. You have Kuroda still for, okay, that one-game playoff, if need be. And then what?
1: Really what hurts me right now isn't even the future, because I'm not even worried about that. Whatever happens, happens. It's out of our hands right now. What should really be bothering the Yankees, I think, is yesterday. What a great day. Amazing day, amazing day in Yankee history. It really was. It, it showed how great and terrific that organization is. They brought back some of the most revered athletes that the Yankees have, have put on the field,
0: and they uh, did it for a guy whose number they retired six games before the end of his career. Right,
1: because only you know only he deserves that. Only yes. Mariano deserves that. Andy Pettit, you know, curtain call. Fans appreciate how how much he's done for the organization as well. It was absolutely beautiful in New York it was everything was set up for a victory and they let a a game slip away that they should have won that they could have won and now they'll never have that back
0: they could and should you're absolutely right I mean and it's not the San Francisco Giants have had a bad season and they have great players let's be fair Pablo Sandoval Buster Posey Angel Pagan has had a good couple of years with the Giants Hunter Pence Brandon Belt has had a breakout season. They have good players. It was here, Adrianza, some guy named Noonan making the play at third base on Zoilo Almonte, and then Abreu, who Joe Girardi admitted, the reason I stuck with David Robertson is because Abreu is terrible against a curveball. He hits a curveball down the line for a double. Robertson thought he threw a good pitch. Girardi played the percentages, saw this guy's terrible against curveballs, I'm going to send in, you know, I'm going to keep D-Rob in. He's got a great curve. I'll tell Murphy what to throw. Those are the guys that hurt the Yankees. It wasn't Sandoval. Sandoval, yes, he had the double that led to the second run, and that was that was it.
1: They needed it. They they, they, they needed to win that game. We've been looking at the Giants series uh, as, a, as a series that the Yankees needed to sweep. They're at home. The Giants are having an off year. They could have easily, easily won that game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> On a separate note, Lou, I'm I'm beat up today. I am just bruised and battered, and and down in the dumps because I'm a New York Giants fan.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say because Dexter ended.
1: I no, I, I, I hear. I mean, I couldn't care less about Dexter.
0: Next next week when Breaking Bad ends, the the office around here might oh. we might seriously need to break out some Kleenex. Lou, you're,
1: you're 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 just kicking me while I'm down. I I know I have a week left of Breaking Bad, but and I've accepted that. But what I what I didn't know what was going to ruin my weekend was the fact that the Giants would go into Carolina and just I, – I, is there a word that we could say on here that would describe exactly what happened to them? Atrocity? Yeah, maybe. Would atrocity work? How about disaster? Yeah. Does it, disaster work? It was a true disaster. It's week three. I, I'm aware that that's – not a ton. But at the same time, 0-3 is a huge hole to come out of. You, yeah, they here's, would have
0: to, here's that on-pace argument from last week. Yeah. No team has ever won the Super Bowl after starting 0-3. Dun, dun, dun. Meaning, yeah,
1: it's impossible. It will never happen. Now it probably will because we have however more years <laughs> of football. Someone will do yeah. it.
0: Or if the Vikings or the Giants win the Super Bowl this year, then, then yes.
1: But... People keep saying, and I'm a Giants fan for the record. I you know, I love this team. But people keep saying like the talent is there, the talent's there. What's what's wrong with the Giants? <laughs> a lot. I don't know if the talent's there. Do they have any linebackers? So the people that are saying that the, the talent's there, who's their best linebacker? And uh, the people that are saying the talent's there, do we know if David Wilson's actually any good?
0: Well, that's what I was thinking when you said, do we know if the talent's there? And that is the big difference this year between, you know, the Giants of 2013 and the Giants of the past. I mean, it was only a few seasons ago where Derek Ward and Brandon Jacobs both had 1,000-yard seasons, and Ahmad Bradshaw didn't even see the field. That's how deep their running back talent was. David Wilson is a second-year player who has fumble problems. Their backup is always on IR. He's always hurt. The backup behind him now is Brandon Jacobs, who played two or three games last year and was basically left for the money, did nothing, and is now back because he's now one of those guys that gets plugged in. He's now a Mark Reynolds, Lyle Overbay, Brendan Ryan uh, kind of player in the NFL where he's brought in to plug holes. So he's not necessarily in game shape. David Wilson can't hold onto the ball. There's no confidence in that running game. Hynoski got hurt yesterday, which is huge.
1: Right, because he's, he's the only guy that can block. He's, he's a better blocking. blocker. Hynoski's a better blocker than David Boss or anybody on their he's, line.
0: He's one of the more underrated full—I mean, you know, you get the, the dap for Vontae Leach and those guys, but Hynoski is one of the more underrated, you know, blockers in the league. And so that hurts because they don't have the run game to set up. They can, they can cover. They can double Reuben Randall in the slot if he's running a weird route. Or Nix, you know, or obviously Victor Cruz, you know, he's a great receiver. You know, Nix is a pretty good receiver too. They can take care of that. Teams with good secondaries can put an extra guy in the box, you know, when they absolutely need to, but they don't ever need to.
1: And the NFC is just so bad. So the problem is I, I don't think what I've seen shows a necessarily a playoff caliber team. I mean, I know what I've seen so far hasn't been a playoff caliber team. But if they put it together somehow and end up being at six and six after week twelve or thirteen, then you say, okay, like maybe they might be able to sneak into the playoffs.
0: Well, because I think it at, after week twelve or thirteen, six and six is going to be right within striking distance. I mean, right, the exactly. Redskins are zero and three. The Eagles are one and two. Should be two and one. Could be three and zero. Had they not put the ball on the ground half a dozen times on Thursday night. But they, they could they could be two and one, but they're one and two. Dallas is two and one, and they've beaten the Giants, who again we've lamented this, but that was a late come from behind kind of, you know. There, there Giants was chances. could have won that
1: game. There was chances. Yeah, the Giants Giants mm-hmm. didn't play terribly in that game or the first half against Denver. Ever since the first half against Denver, it, it's they've down looked down. like a high school football team. Right.
0: So this division is clearly there for the taking. Dallas has the early control. I mean, we're almost a quarter of the way through the NFL season, as bizarre as that sounds. The fourth game for the Thursday night teams are Thursday night. It's there for the taking. It's just a matter of who's going to do it. And the Giants, they need to do something. Looking at this from a from an outsider's perspective, meaning that I am not a Giants fan perspective, it seems like there's a cycle with Tom Coughlin. Couple of good seasons, couple of bad seasons, everyone calls for his head, win the Super Bowl. Couple of good seasons, couple of bad seasons, yeah. everyone calls for his head, win the Super Bowl. Since they won the Super Bowl, they haven't had those couple of good seasons. It's just been a couple of bad ones, and now this one's shaping up to be a disaster.
1: Well, what this this year, this season for the Giants so far tells you is that an offensive line is the most important entity of a football team. The Giants can't run, and they can't pass because their offensive line is terrible. Then, they don't stay on the field because their offensive line is terrible. The, Gi- the Giants' defense is then on the field, exhausted, giving up points, even though they're battling, they've shown signs of being a decent defense, and they give up 38 points. Nobody's blaming the Giants' defense because they're on the field 24-7. The offensive line of the New York Giants is an absolute disaster, and that's what I keep saying. People, this team might just not be that talented. It's like we looked at their offensive line a few weeks ago and thought, meh, you know, we'll see. They got away with being pretty bad last year, but they're not getting away with being terrible this year, right?
0: You know, that's actually one of the things folks down in Philly have been wondering about the the Chip Kelly offense with Philadelphia too. Is that the defense seems to be tiring a little bit late in games? It's because the offense runs sixty plays in twenty minutes. Yeah, even a it's great like a Ramon, drive. It's like a Ramon's kind of great offense.
1: It's like a, imagine a great drive is three minutes. It's for three the minutes. Yeah. And the defense is still, you know, sweating and dousing themselves off with towels.
0: Which, to be fair, works in college because you've got ninety guys on your squad, so you can plug in, oh, you know, so and so's tired, we'll just throw in some jabroni and he can kinda hold down the fort for a couple of plays. You can't do that in the NFL. There is a clear, clear, clear drop off between your top four to five linemen and five to six linebackers and then the bottom couple. There's a clear drop-off. Those guys are usually special teamers. They're guys that are there to get hurt. I should say if somebody gets hurt, there's a clear drop-off. You can't just mix and match and plug in. So they're wondering that in Philadelphia too, and it applies to the Giants. If the defense can't get off the field, then late in the games they're going to get torched because they're dragging.
1: I would say so far it's been a little bit of a boring and disappointing NFL season.
0: Yes, I mean, the Yankees have had a lot to do with that in our minds anyway because we've had so much wild card playoff push, this, yeah. that, so much chaos going on that, you know, it's kind of been—we've been baseball-centric as human beings, but, so yeah. my, my interest is Personally, I take
1: baseball over football any day literally. Right, But it's been boring because last year was, like, the the best year ever for, like, young talent, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterback position. You I had Locke
0: of- Lock Wilson, right. RG3, I mean, right. Tannehill.
1: This year we have a few of cool, you know cool storylines. We have Tannehill and the Dolphins at three and 0 We have uh, Alex Smith and the Chiefs who look like a really good team. And the Giants, I bet they can't wait to go to Arrowhead and play them and be owned for. So <laughs> Andy Reid, Giants. let's think about it. L- just looking at this week. It's pretty boring. I mean, the New England Patriots aren't a very good football team, I don't think. I think they have a great coach and a great quarterback. Other than that, I don't think they're terrific on any side of the ball. And they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks 23-3. to If you're not a Patriots fan, there was no reason to watch that game.
0: Yeah, because most Buccaneers fans weren't, weren't watching it either. Yeah,
1: I loved I – will, I will say I loved the fact that Cleveland won in Minnesota. I don't. Why not?
0: <laughs> well, that survivor pool pick.
1: Oh, yeah, so. God.
0: So oh, I got I got, a sh- I got a strike on that one. Good thing I took Seattle and the ones that mattered.
1: I love uh, – because I feel bad for Browns fans. And I feel bad for the city of Cleveland. I, when they traded away Trent Richardson, I just was like wondering what it's got to be like to be a Browns fan. But they went out and won. And they picked their third-string QB to start, and he played pretty well. And their backup running backs came up and played pretty well. And they won a game – In Minnesota. Let's be
0: fair to Brian Hoyer. He's not just any third string quarterback. He did learn at the right hand of Tom Brady for a couple of years after uh, Matt Castle and uh, the other guy left town, the other Matt, who was a third string quarterback for a while. I forget his name. But Hoyer was, I mean, he's played for Pittsburgh and Arizona. I think he played for like eight teams last year alone. But he did spend a couple of years learning from Tom Brady. So. You know he's got a, he's got a little bit of he knows but yeah the Browns they trade Trent Richardson they got a third string quarterback you know the
1: receivers just coming back from a two game suspension but look at, I and mean they put it together look at some of these games Dallas beat St Louis thirty one seven same exact score in the New Orleans Arizona a
0: St Louis team that by the way has looked much better than yeah.
1: than their record indicates they are they showed up that's it then you have Baltimore and and Houston thirty nine I mean that's three games. Houston, Arizona, and St. Louis should not be getting crushed like that. The Giants shouldn't be getting crushed as bad as they did. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of parity in the NFL right the, now. The
0: Baltimore-Houston one was the, and again, you know, I was at the stadium yesterday, obviously running around, uh, compiling a lot of great stuff. So football scores were one of the last things on my mind. Finally, had a chance to sit down about three o'clock once the game was in the fourth, fourth, fifth inning, and look at these scores and. The Baltimore one was the one that surprised me the most because Baltimore looked <laughs> like a disaster against the Broncos on opening night. I
1: don't know how they scored thirty points. I mean, Baltimore right. doesn't have any but weapons. They looked they, like a Ray disaster. Rice didn't even play.
0: Right. They looked like a disaster. The next week they come out and they win a fourteen thirteen game against a bad team. And then this week they come out and they crush the Texans, who have a huge big play offense with two great running backs, Andre Johnson, Matt Schaub where did again like you said Ray Rice doesn't play you know their tight end situation is a mess even with Dallas Clark in the fold now like wh- where did this come from like what
1: what happened it almost seems like teams that there are a few teams that didn't really do much this off season but just figured they were good last year and the year before so they'll be good again this year the pittsburgh steelers for example the houston texans the new york giants teams that were predicted to be good Mm-mm. and now suddenly Aren't showing any effort, and people are shocked. Every,
0: everything you just said about the New York Giants a few minutes ago, put that in black and gold. Right, and it's the Pittsburgh it's Steelers. Exactly, like their that. offensive line is banged up. They lost Pouncey on one of the first plays of the of the season. They have no running back because Le'Veon Bell is still hurt, and the Dwyer, Redmond, Felix Jones committee is not doing anything. And they lost LaRod Stevens, Howling too, to a torn ACL in week one. No running game, no offensive line. It takes four guys to drag Big Ben to the turf, but when you can send four guys at him, he's rushing throws, the receivers aren't getting open, they don't have to worry about the run game, and boom, there you go. Same same thing with the Steelers.
1: I, I think that there's a lot of uh, mediocrity in the NFL this season, <clears throat> at least so far. I, I'm not seeing uh, the, the second-year quarterbacks – Aren't, Andrew luck's been very impressive's Kaepernick, Kaepernick has Kaepernick's not. been really rough mm-hmm. and obviously RG3 has been as well Give him a few weeks I mean let's be patient I think if you give RG three six or seven weeks he'll be back he'll be to, back to his,
0: you know he's got to learn sport. he's got to learn how to readjust it's a readjustment on the fly to the what he was in 2012 to what he is now. With the knee brace and the knee injury and changing up his his MO a little
1: bit. It's, you, it's, it's an adjustment. You want a perfect example of, of, of why I just think that some divisions, specifically both East divisions, NFC and AFC East, the Jets are 2-1. and one. The Jets and Cowboys are the cream of the East crop right now. Yes. I mean, how crazy is that? That This this team with a quarterback who has barely played. I mean, sometimes when rookie quarterbacks come up and they play all four preseason games. And let's and be fair,
0: the, the Jets should be 3-0. Yes,
1: they, they should be. They should be 3-0. And they, because they could they have won that played, game in New England. I don't think they've played a quality team yet. I don't think New England is all that good of a team. Maybe when they get Gronk back, I'll be able to call them a good team. But they're just a decent team playing terrible teams. Well, if Tom
0: Brady is actually texting Dion Branch and Brandon Lloyd and saying, "Would you guys come back?" Then obviously all is not as well. Dion Branch you is think. at a
1: retirement home with with Troy Brown somewhere,
0: with their nine hundred Super Bowl rings between them, just playing a little silo in the corner. Is that what you are saying? They're just kind of hanging out, chilling.
1: They're, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I Tom Brady. Listen, Tom Brady can do whatever he wants because he's that good of a quarterback, and and I don't mean to harsh. On the Patriots, I just—I think even Patriots fans would would tell me, "Yeah, I mean, we haven't looked great yet." Yeah, this
0: is a three and and0 team that isn't inspiring anyone to go. Man, they might go sixteen and 0 again. Like no. it's not—it's not really that good. They're on pace. Kind of they're they're on pace. They are. Well, they have to play Miami twice, so we know one of them is definitely going to not win every game because games can't end in a tie. I don't know if Donovan McNabb didn't know that. I would love I to did.
1: see Miami. And I'm not a big Dolphins guy either, but I would love to see Miami beat New England because that would kind of show me, okay, they have competition in their own division.
0: Right.
1: Which would be a, a, a difference.
0: Well, I mean, again, you know, Miami's 3-0. New England's 3-0. The Jets are 2-1 and with a three-point loss. Was it three points was the final score of the game, 13-10? Yeah. Three-point loss in the slop on Thursday Night Football a couple weeks ago. And Buffalo is, I mean, you know, Buffalo has looked good this year.
1: Yeah, they, that's the funny thing. Buffalo, to me... Is not the worst team in that division? They're just the only team that has a, a, a record that actually represents how how good they are. You see what I mean? Yes.
0: They're they're the best one and two team. They're a pretty good one and two team, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and you I'm saying say,
0: well, who's the best zero and three team?
1: Yeah. Oh god. Who cares? Yeah. Why don't you just put on paid programming? <laughs> I don't want. Who's the
0: best zero and three team? Who cares?
1: I, you know what other argument that just I I can't stand and I refuse to have? Who's better, the Jets or the Giants? Who cares? They, they, they won't play each other. It doesn't matter. Just they, because they play in the same city doesn't mean that they should be compared.
0: They play each other once every four years, and if God willing, they play a Subway Series Super Bowl. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. like asking who's better. The Well, the Yankees or the Mets at least play each other four times a year now. Yeah. And they did and if have a Subway Series. The Mets series.
1: are better. <laughs> if you believe and that, they then.
0: did have a Subway Series. But it's like it's a different animal. Like, you know, who's better, the Knicks or the Nets? They play each other
1: you know, right? Hand, you'll be able hand to, hand to tell times a year. that if they were both three and zero or zero and three, they had the same record. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you could compare that. I guess. I mean, comparing two teams with the same record. Right. But the Jets are two and one, and the Giants are zero and three. So I think people think, well, even though the Giants are zero and three, people probably still think they have more talent than the two and one Jets. Which team is better? But it's just honestly, we should be rewarding quality. I just don't think that we should be having these discussions trying to compare two two pretty bad teams. I I, I hesitate to call them both bad because I think they both have potential.
0: But you also, you know, it's been said, Bill Parcells is the master of it. You play who your schedule says you play. The Jets have played the Buccaneers at home, Patriots on the road, and then Buffalo at home. The Giants have played the Broncos, the Cowboys, and now the Panthers on the road. Yeah, That's a little bit better of a schedule. <laughs> Just a little bit.
1: Yeah. A little bit tougher for the Giants. I see the Seattle Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, n- no questions asked. I can't
0: I, believe they were a 19-point favorite at home. I mean, I know you get three for playing at home, and I know Jacksonville probably couldn't. Here's an argument. As I slam the table and make the mics go nuts. Here's an argument. Here's another one of those on pace, another one of those kind of things that people talk about all the time, and it sort of annoys me a little bit. But I'm going to go with it here because... We might be seeing it. Do you think Jacksonville could beat Alabama or Ohio State? I mean, Jacksonville is pretty bad, even when their players are in
1: the lineup. I think Jacksonville would handle both teams very handedly. Here's why. Players that make NFL teams are the best players on all the college teams. Right. So everybody on the Jacksonville Jaguars was the best player on their college team or one of the best players on the college team to get drafted and then make the team. Okay. So if you were to take the college football all-stars, the best players from all teams, maybe they could win. See. But one team, I don't think that would work out. See,
0: there's a lot of teams that have a lot of holes in a lot of different things. And, you know, yes, Alabama and Ohio State are the best of the best. And Clemson, yeah, you know, I got to throw Clemson in there because they're doing pretty well this year. <laughs> the thing that worries me is that you say this that they were the best player on their team. Missouri was good for two years, and it was the Blaine Gabbert era. And the Blaine Gabbert era is what made him so attractive. It was like, oh, look, this guy turned Missouri into a good team. He really didn't. He was just a good player, and he. It's the the discussion I've had with people about whether or not the Fab Five could have won the national title if they went to Creighton instead of Michigan. You know, there's still five good players, but, you know, like, what happens? Blaine Gabbert is not a good NFL quarterback. Chad Henney is not a good NFL quarterback. He's a great backup quarterback, but he's not a guy you want to lead the charge. Their receiving receiving – Cecil Shorts is their best receiver, but if you look at a team like – even a middle-of-the-pack team like the Eagles or, you know, some other one-and-two team, Buffalo – would he be their number one receiver? Would he be their number two receiver? Would he be the number three receiver on the Packers? You know, you have to kind of, kind of think about stuff like that. And then the other consideration is age. Obviously, you know, a 30-year-old offensive lineman with eight, nine years NFL experience is going to manhandle a young defensive lineman in theory. But how much separation is a guy like, say, MJD going to get in space when he's facing 19-year-old linebackers on a bad angle?
1: I think Alabama, first of all, is the only team that, that has would have a chance because I think they're so much so much better it's, than any other college football team. Yeah,
0: it's it's Nick Saban is almost a process, right? And he has coached in the pros, so he knows. I mean, you know, yeah, he he's knows.
1: coached and failed. At least he didn't quit like Bobby Petrino. <laughs> I I just think that AJ McCarron would have no idea what he was doing yet. Maybe he will one day. There
0: would be defenses that would get thrown at him that he's not going to see, even with right. the likes of Texas A and M and Florida and and teams like professional
1: that, yes. defenses. Mm-hmm would tear him apart right now. And I don't care if it's, it's Jacksonville or anybody else.
0: I guess what we're going to have to do then is watch Jacksonville play 13 more games against teams that are just better than them and, and whoop up on them. And somebody, they will, they will get somebody a cheap survivor pool win because they'll knock somebody out that everyone oh, is on at some
1: point this season. If it goes that way, I, I, I do as much as I like to argue this point, And I think it's a good, it's a good talking point. Like would the best college football players beat the the worst NFL players I would love to just see it. Like I wish in sports, be we could, I wish in sports we could just be like, "Yeah, let's do it." Whatever. Yes.
0: Can we see the 2012 Alabama Crimson Tide against the 2012? Cancel the Pro Jaguars. Bowl.
1: No one, no one cares about the Pro Bowl anyway. Let's the just. The don't care about it. It, it, it. We could call it like the Dump Bowl or like uh, I don't know, the Toilet Bowl. Toilet Bowl. Wow. Yeah. Can we pitch that?
0: I know a good sponsor. The Sharman Char- Char- would love to jump to on the that Toilet
1: Bowl, and it'll be played in Cleveland. It has to be played in Cleveland.
0: <laughs> Why? Well, Detroit is the only other answer for that. It's Detroit or Cleveland, seriously. Well, you're not going to play it somewhere nice. You're not going to play this in Pasadena.
1: Yeah. I suppose you could. It's got to be rainy. The weather's got to be terrible. <laughs> and um,
0: It's going to look like you know the the first scenes of I Still Know He Did Last Summer when they get to the island where the, the hook man brings him and it's all rainy and gross and then Jack Black comes out with dreads. You've probably never seen this
1: movie, have you? Uh, I've seen a a, few, a little bit of okay. it, but that's neither here. Well, nor it's a me.
0: mess. Let's yeah. put it that way. Maybe. How about the scene where Lieutenant Dan is strapped to the flagpole in Forrest Gump?
1: That, okay, that better. For yep. Yeah. Okay. Something like that kind of atmosphere like that. that works for me.
0: Maybe six feet of snow in Cleveland, eighty-three fans in the stands, most of them fat men, shirtless, wearing dog masks. Yep. Okay. I'm in on that. Let's do it. Let's pitch it. I'm there. Well, we're gonna go do that. We're gonna go pitch that, and we're going to leave you on this edition of the Yes Men. We'll be back next week in our semi-regular midweek time slot. Until then, I, as always, am Lou DiPietro. To my left is Doug Williams. And we will see you next time.
1: Peace.